0: wonderful song selection this morning. I, um, it is going to go perfect. I don't know if, if Dale planned this or not, but um, it will go perfectly with what we're discussing and what we're talking about from the Word of God this morning. So um, uh, maybe they'll bring one of those back uh, during the invitation time. A- any of them were just uh, great songs for what we're discussing this morning. If you have your Bible, or if you charged your Bible, if you would, grab it and uh, turn to the book of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. And if you'd be so kind to stand one more time as we give reverence to reading this Word. If you have the means and you're able, stand. If not, uh, the Lord understands. If you need to remain seated, that's just fine. Revelation chapter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 14. I know there's no children's church today. I'd like to encourage you parents to, if your kids act up a little bit, that's fine. Teach them. Uh, Teach them. They got got to learn in school. They need to learn in church too. So it's okay. Don't worry about it. If you need to take them out, get up, take them out, uh, come back. If you got to do it 10 times, take them out and come back. But it's a wonderful opportunity for you to teach your children. So uh, don't let it bother you. Don't worry about it if they act up a little bit. Beginning in verse 1, let's read it. as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying... Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, and worshiped you can be seated this morning i want to talk to you from the topic worthy to receive worship worthy to receive worship hang with me don't don't let your mind drift off too far this is a very beautiful thing that you need to see in this i want to remind you that the book of revelation one of the primary purpose one of the primary purposes that it was written for was to show the servants of Christ the things that must take place after the church age is over. And so you're getting a glimpse here into the throne room of God, into the scene of heaven after the church age has ended and the things that must take place now that the church age is over. All right, And so I want you to see this. This is important. Last week, you remember, we ended with John describing this scene as he's standing in the throne room of heaven, and he, he describes everything around this throne. You remember that? Everything was the, about the one who sits on the throne. Everything was about what was around the throne, what come from the throne, what was before the throne. Um, everything was focused toward this throne. And so what we see is that there is a throne here. Isaiah has a similar vision. Ezekiel has a sim- similar vision. Moses has a similar vision. And the elders in Exodus chapter 24. But all of these visions focus on the fact that there is a throne in heaven that is high and lifted up and it stands above every other throne. Now listen, That we also know from last week there are 24 other thrones in this room and yet his focus is not on those thrones. His first thing that he tells you is, I saw a throne. This throne was unlike any other throne. And so we see that there was one seated on this throne. According to Ezekiel, he had the form of a human being. He didn't say he looked like a human being. He said he had the form of a human being. There were certain characteristics about this one who sat on this throne that had human character traits. He had the appearance of fire all around him and within him like gleaming metal. It was a color that radiated from him that was like the appearance of a bright fiery red as if it were radiating through a diamond. He described it as as a bright red color that were radiating through a diamond and all the different facets that comes from that diamond is what it looked like to the one sitting on this throne. Some of the places that you see this in comparison, in Exodus chapter 24 verse 10 and 17, this is what it says in verse 10, and this is Moses and the elders on the mountain. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under His feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And what they were seeing was a sapphire color, a red color. They were at this mountain. They were looking up and they were seeing the crystal sea that is before the throne. Now, it's not a sea. It was an appearance of something like a sea, but it was glass is what it says. And so what they're looking at is they're looking at before the throne, they're seeing this crystal sea. And yet the color that is coming from it and, and that is transmitting through it is this sapphire red so that it turns everything this red color. But now let's go to another place, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. And I'm only giving you bits and pieces out of things. I encourage you to go home and look at these visions separately yourself and just see the comparisons that are there. It's amazing to see that all of these people that had these visions saw the same thing. But in Ezekiel 1, verse 26, this is what it says, And above the expanse, and he's talking about the crystal sea, Above the expanse that was over the heads of the four living creatures there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance and upward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. So what's he seeing? He's seeing that bright red, fiery red color that is just transmitting from him, right? And let's keep on reading. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around him. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around And so Ezekiel is saying the same thing that John is saying in uh, Revelation chapter 4. And so we see that this is the way that it was. And then at the end of verse 28 it says, Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. And so what you see here is that this is not a pleasant scene necessarily. This is a scary scene. And it is because what you're seeing is you're seeing God Almighty on His throne of supreme power and it is now time for the vengeance of God to take place on all the world. The wrath of God is fixing to be released and you'll see that when we get to Revelation chapter 6. So you're seeing the preparation of God as He gets ready to release His wrath on this world. Around the throne last week in in Revelation chapter 4, we saw that um, the church is here represented by 24 elders. I'm not going to re-preach last Sunday's message, but if you want to understand where that comes from, go back, listen to last Sunday's message. But the church is in this place represented by 24 elders in their white robes with their victor's crowns, and they are also sitting on thrones ruling with Christ. We also see that from this throne came all the signs of God's readiness to judge the world. It says, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings or voices and cries, came peals of thunder. And so again, we see this is a frightening scene, really. When Ezekiel saw it, he fell on his face. When he saw it, it was a frightening thing. Before the throne and the one who sits on it were seven torches of fire, which represented the Holy Spirit and His readiness to judge. Around the throne were four living creatures. They are full of eyes in front and behind, and they see everything. They are described exactly like the cherubim in Ezekiel chapter 8, or chapter 10, I'm sorry. They are described exactly like the seraphim who are described in Isaiah chapter 6. They are the caretakers of God's throne, and they are the ones that you are going to see fulfill. God's wishes for His wrath on this world. And that lines up with Scripture perfectly too. Let me prove it to you. Matthew chapter 13, verse 49 through 50. Look at what it says. This is just one Scripture that I'll give you. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. Who will come? God is going to send His angels to execute this justice, Correct. And you see the same thing fixing to take place right here. You see the same thing in Ezekiel. You see the same thing... Uh, no matter where you go in these visions, this is what you see. And so every bit of this lines up with Scripture. So again, in chapter 4, here's the summary. What you see in chapter 4 is in, after chapter 3, the church age has ended. Now the door has been opened into heaven. The church is there. And now the church is in the throne room of God, been raptured out of the world because Jesus promised that they would be saved from the great tribulation. You remember that from Revelation chapter 3? And so what you have here is the church been raptured out of the world before the great tribulation comes. And now God is about to open up the door of His wrath and He is about to send it on to the world And there are still going to be many that are saved in this. And we'll read about that here in just a little bit. But we see that judgment started in the house of God in Revelations 2 and 3 as Jesus walked among these churches. And then in chapter 4 and 5, we see the preparation of God getting ready to unleash His wrath and what it looks like. And then in chapter 6 through 18 of Revelations, you are going to see the wrath of God being unleashed and it is coming on the earth and to all who are in the earth. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 says this, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And what you're going to find out is what the outcome of these people are in Revelations chapter 6 through chapter 18. Now, in Revelations chapter 4 verse 8, if you've had your Bible, follow along with me. In Revelations chapter 4 verse 8, we get to see a worship service that has been taking place ever since these living creatures were created. This is what they have done. This is what they do. They see God for who He is, and they recognize that He is holy, holy, holy. They recognize that He is eternal, that He always has been, He always will be, and everything that is, is because of Him. And they see this very plainly. And they look at the glory of God and they stand around the throne and they just declare this right here. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, meaning they see everything. They They are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Here's the point that you need to get out of the beginning of this worship service. Because what you're fixing to see, y'all stay with me, you're fixing to see this worship service start out with four. And then you're going to go to 24. And then you're going to add music to the four and the 24. So now you've got music and the 28. And then you're going to go from the 28 to myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands, literally, you can't count them, of angels. And then you're going to move from angels to all of creation, every creature, whether it be on earth, in heaven, whether it be in the sea, under the earth, under the sea, no matter where it is... Every creature joins this worship service. And then at the end of it, you see these four living creatures look back after all creation now recognizes who God is because they've been seeing it all along, right? But at the very end of it, all of a sudden, the four living creatures step back and look at what's going on and listen to what all of them are saying about God and they finally can only say one thing. And you know what it is? In other words, the four living creatures finally look at all of us and all of creation and say, You finally get it. You finally get it. So, y'all follow with me, all right? That's where we're going. Just stay with me. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. They've been watching these, they just got here, right? The, 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 The church just got here. These are the 24 elders. The church just got here. But now they look and they see the first worship service in heaven. And they're watching these four living creatures as they declare God's holiness. And they see it themselves. And they agree with Him that God is worthy. That God deserves this worship. That He alone deserves it. And yet the world has denied Him of it. And so here's what they say as they see His holiness and see what these living creatures say in verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying this. So remember, Jesus told us the conquerors and the faithful of the church are going to be given victors crowns in heaven, right? Symbolizing that we will reign with Christ because we've been victorious through Him. They've been given white robes. They've been given thrones to share the rule with Christ. This is their reward. And yet when they see God, you know what they do? They take their crowns off their head. And they come and they fall down before the throne. And they throw their victor's crown before the throne. And here's what they say in verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And here's why. For you created all things, and by your will they existed, and they were created. Now you got to get with them with where they're at right here. This is the redeemed mankind who has denied God His true worship in this world. We don't worship Him the way these angels do. We don't see Him the way these angels do. And yet now they get there and they say, We're not worthy. You made everything. You created everything. And we reject you of that. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. Look at what this says. For His invisible attributes, talking about God here, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made So they are without excuse. So think about that for just a minute. When we look at the Grand Canyon, when we look at the mountain signs, uh, at the the mountainsides, when uh, uh, Tracy Gavin's not here this morning, but her and Donald have one of the most beautiful views in all of Tennessee. From their front porch or wherever it is that she takes this picture from, you can see, I'm going to say, through Murray County, probably on over into the next county. You can see forever. And when you take these pictures, you look at them, and these pictures are meant for us to look at all of His creation and go, what kind of God is this? When the sun rises in the morning, we've got so used to it. You know, I love watching babies when they first come out of the womb and when they first open their eyes. You know what they do? They're amazed by everything, right? You take that child and they're going... Right? You know why they're doing that? because they've never seen this before. We have been living in creation for so long that when you and I watch that big ball of fire that stays in its place and rises when it's supposed to and sets when it's supposed to and rotates exactly the way that it's supposed to, when we see that, what do we do? We sleep in. We sleep in. We go to bed early. We sit in the house and watch TV and play video games. And yet every bit of this is meant for us to look at and go, what kind of a God created that? It's all meant for us to look at it and do what y'all just said. Wow, look at God. We're meant to stand in front of the Grand Canyon and go, wow, look at God. We're meant to hold our babies in our hands and go, look at God. Every bit of creation is meant for us to look at it and it be the line of sight that directs us back. We follow its ray, its beam back up to the one that it came from and we denied Him of it. Look at this. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world so that they are without excuse. Now look at verse 21. For although they knew God, how did they know God? It was evident. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Honor, right? So we refused Him honor. But, and we did not give thanks to Him. We refused Him the worship that He deserves. And instead, we worshiped our own selves, our own creation, all of the things that He made instead of Him. Look what it says in, verse, uh, in this. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. In other words, useless thinking in what we were doing. Our foolish hearts were darkened. Look at verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Let's see how we became a fool in verse 20. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God or images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We made a terrible exchange. Instead of being awed at the God who made this, we said we would rather have this, right? And we refused Him honor, we refused Him glory. How many of you would admit that we still do it right now? We still do it. But now the church is in heaven. Uh, is that the end of it, verse 23? Yeah, that's it. You could go further in Romans 1. Romans 1 describes the whole reason the world is the way that it is. If you want any question about why this world is the way it is, read Romans 1. It'll answer it. Alright, let's keep reading. Or let's keep going. So the church finally sees His holiness. They finally see what these angels see. They finally recognize the world's fa- failure. And look at what they say in verse 11 of Revelation 4 again. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. It all points to you. Worthy are you to receive this and by your will they existed and were created. They see this wrathful God ready to unleash His wrath on this world and you know what they say? You are right. You are right to destroy it all, us included. We don't deserve this crown. We don't deserve this robe. We don't deserve this throne. You are right to be the way that you are right now. But let's keep following along with it because next here's what we see. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, the one seated on the throne, this is God the Father. He has a scroll in His right hand and we want to figure out, what is this scroll? And so to figure that out, if you were to go to Jeremiah chapter 32, this is just one example. We'll read through it very quickly. Jeremiah verse 32. I want to read the whole chapter real quick so you get, get all the way through it and then I'll explain it. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, the city of God, is being taken captive, right? Enemies are coming in and they're taken away. Y'all stay with me. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the place of the king of Judah. So Jeremiah is in the court of the guard. He's basically in jail. Let's see why in verse 3. For Zedekiah the king of Judah had imprisoned him, saying... Jeremiah, why do you prophesy and say, and this is what Jeremiah would say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. So Jeremiah is saying, Jerusalem and the city of God is going to be overtaken and fall into the hands of the enemy, right? Stay stay with me. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, By my field that is at Anathoth. For the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is in Ananoth in the land of Benjamin for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So Jeremiah gets this word. Your cousin's going to come to you and he wants you to buy this land. See, he sees the enemy coming. And if the enemy's coming and going to take over land, what's the best thing for you to do with your land? Let's get rid of it before this happens, right? Now surely Jeremiah is smart enough to not buy land that the enemy is fixing to take, right? But let's keep reading. In verse 9, And I bought the field. And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel my cousin and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. And look at this in verse 10. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy and I gave the deed of purchase to Barak the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed... The deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Barak in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of the purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. Here's why. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Here's what you need to see. The enemy is coming to take this land and he's going to take it. Yet God tells Jeremiah, purchase it back. Take the deed, have witnesses, seal it up with the witnesses' signatures on it and put it away because I'm coming back to reclaim this land. And then it will be yours. You are the rightful heir of this land. You will be the one who has the authority and the worthiness to unroll this deed and to claim what it represents. In Roman times and in this times, in in ancient uh, Middle Eastern times, basically what you had whenever you would have a scroll that was sealed and it was with signatures, it was a contract of some time. Most of the time it was a land deed, a title deed. Sometimes it was a last will and testament. But either way, it was always signed and there were witnesses and only those people that were witnesses to it were worthy or the rightful heirs to it were worthy to be able to unroll the deed and to claim whatever it was in the deed. And so what you have in the book of Revelations chapter 5 is you have God Almighty. The enemy has came in in Genesis and he has laid claim on this land. How did he do it? By turning God against it. He knew that sin equaled death. And he led the creation, mankind in particular, who was over it to sin. And when he did that, The power of God said, this sin must be punished. Death is the payment. And now, all of a sudden, he has turned God against his own land. The same thing that happened in Jerusalem right here. God is coming in and He is going to allow the enemy to take over for a time. In Genesis, He does the same thing. He allows the enemy to come in and He is the God of this world, if you will, little g, God of this world right now. He has power. He has control over certain things in this world. But there is coming a day when He is going to roll out the title deed and there has to be one that is worthy of this inheritance that is the rightful heir to the creation, the Father's Son, the one that has purchased it back, And now He is the only one who is worthy to take this scroll, to unroll this scroll, to break its seals. And there are seven seals because there are seven witnesses being the seven spirits of the God that He sent out into all the the earth. Revelation chapter 5 again. Let's go back to it and read it one more time. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. On the back there would be a description of what this scroll was and what the contents were. It was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? So we're looking for the worthy one, right? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. He looked everywhere. This angel calls out and his voice stretches across the universe. Are y'all with me? And all across the universe, all across all of God's creation, there is not a rightful heir. There is not one who has paid the price so that the deed belongs to him. And then all of a sudden, in the next verse, of verse 5, look what happens. I'm sorry, in the next verse, verse 4. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. John said, Who's going to take it back? God is worthy. Look at Him. He created it. All things exist by Him. We all see it. We all know it. This is His. Who's going to take it back? We can't find a worthy one. And John cries with everything in him. And then all of a sudden, one of the 24 elders, this is one of the church members, steps up and says, John, stop your crying. Don't weep anymore. Behold. In other words, look. John, you need to see something. Turn around. Look. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And he is worthy to open the scrolls and to break its seven seals. And ultimately what you see here is that these were two names given to the Christ in the Old Testament. And it was a prophecy that said the Christ is going to come from the tribe of Judah. And He was going to be a conquering king like a lion. Literally nothing would be able to stop Him. But the problem was when Jesus came the first time, the price for the creation had not been paid. The price to buy it back had not been paid. So when He comes the first time, He don't come as a conquering line. And this is the reason why the Jews had such a hard time accepting Christ. Because they expected He's going to come in and He's just going to wipe out Gentiles. He's going to wipe out all ungodliness. And the earth and Jerusalem is going to be the center in the kingdom of God. And the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is going to come in and He's going to restore the kingdom of God. But what they didn't understand is that a price had to be paid to buy it back. And so the first time He comes, not as a lion, but as a lamb, and so what they're seeing is the Lamb getting ready to be the Lion. See, if you'll keep reading, what you'll see here is that one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so he can open the scroll and break its seals. And then look at verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw... Now here's what the elder said. Behold, John, don't cry. Look, a lion. And then John gets here and he turns around and he looks and what does he see? Did they say it wrong? Did they mess up? No, they recognized that the lion first had to become the lamb. And when the lion became the lamb and he is standing, listen, he's not a dead lamb. He has died and now He is standing. And not only is He standing, but it is as though it had been slain. You know why? Because it had been. Because it had been. He paid the price. The wages of sin is what? He paid the price. And then He goes on and He says, He has seven horns and He had seven eyes. A horn in this day on a ram or anything represented the power. They used this horn to fight. This is what they had. The number seven, we remember from previous verses in Revelation, the number seven stood for completeness, right? So in other words, He has complete what? The the Lamb is fixing to become the Lion with complete power that none will stand against. And not only that, but He has seven eyes, which are what? The seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Romans chapter... um, 8 verse 16, look at what this says. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. The Spirit is the witness to whether or not we belong to God or we don't belong to God. And there are seven spirits and seven witnesses that are coming with Christ to break open this title deed to the earth, break open this last will and testament of God, if you will, for this creation, for His inheritance, and for who will receive it. And the one who is worthy is the one who has conquered the one that took possession of this place. And He is a lamb and He is standing And yet he has complete power and he has the seven witnesses that have been sent out into all the earth and now they are getting ready to come and take the scroll from his right hand because he's worthy to reclaim everything that the devil took in the Garden of Eden. And he's fixing to unleash his wrath to take it back, to conquer, to be the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. Root of David was also another phrase given uh, that he would become he would come from David, but that he would be the root of David. In other words, David came from him before he came from David. Let's keep reading. In verse 7, And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp. So we're adding music now, right? This worship service is growing each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. They're even lighting up incense for the Lord. Man, we're getting smoky in here. All right, The golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints that are being lifted up. The prayers of the saints for the vengeance of God's name here on this earth. And they sang a new song. There's a new song. God is worthy. Absolutely. God is worthy to receive power, honor, glory. He created all things. All things exist by his will. But yet here we got the 24 elders that are now going to join in because they recognize we're not worthy. They've done thrown their crowns, right? And here's what they say. Worthy are you to take the scroll. Worthy are you to open its seals. And here's why. Because you were slain. And by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a what? A kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign where? On the earth. Here's what you see. They recognize that God, through Jesus Christ, is fixing to take it all back. Listen, we and this creation have denied Him His honor and His praise. We have made a very dark exchange and we've said, I'd rather have the created things than the Creator. He's coming back and now He's coming to take it all back. And He will be worshipped and He will be praised. And they will see Him for who He is and it won't be pretty. And so He says here, they sang a new song, You are worthy, Jesus. And the reason you're worthy to open its seals, to take the scroll, is because you gave your life to ransom this thing back. You, Your blood, by your blood, you ransomed people. What does ransom mean? To buy it back, right? You paid the price to get it back. You ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people and every nation. And now the 24 elders with their harps, and now the four living creatures looking at the 24 elders. It started out, the, 24, the, the four creatures looking at God, and then the 24 elders looking at the creatures going, Man, we got to get in on this worship. God. And now all of a sudden the 24 elders are looking at the Lamb and they're going, You are worthy, you are worthy. And now the four living creatures are going, Man, we got to get in on this worship. And now they're over here worshiping the Lamb and they're bringing harps and they're bringing golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And then look at verse 11. In verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power to receive wealth, to receive wisdom and might, honor, glory and blessing. Worthy are you to receive it all. And you have every right to take it back. You have every right to be angry. You have every reason to come with vengeance and destroy all who will not give you honor and who will not give you the thanks that you deserve. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So what do we have here? We started out with four, just basically saying, saying, not necessarily singing, just saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And then you got 24 or the whole church that comes in with them and they say, You're right. You're right. And by Your will, everything exists. You created it. You are worthy to receive it. And then you've got the Lamb that steps up that ransomed it all back. And the 24 elders come over here and they begin to worship with harps. Worthy are you because you were slain. You ransomed people and they're going to reign on earth. The kingdom of God is going to be here because of you. You are worthy to take it all back. And then the four living creatures look over and go, let us get some of this over here. And So they come over and get their harps and here they go. And they all sing a new song together. And then when they see the worship of the Lamb for the 24 and the four living creatures, now we've got angels coming from everywhere. And there is an innumerable company of angels that have surrounded this throne room scene and now they sing together with them. And they sing the same thing. You are worthy to receive everything because of what you have done. And then let's keep going in verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. What's He talking about? What does He mean? Every creature where? Everywhere. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb, the one that bought it all back, the line, to both of them be blessing and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And now we go back to where we started at. These four living creatures step back from all of it. Because remember, they've always been around the throne of God. Ever since their creation, they've known it no other way. The Bible tells us that they desire to look into the mercy that God shows us, the salvation that God shows us, because they can't understand how any of God's creation can defy Him the way that we have, and Him... Give mercy. They're looking at it. They see Him for who He is. And now they finally step back from it all. And the four living creatures look back and they listen to all the worship from everybody, everything, everywhere. If it has breath, it's praising God. And they step back. You know what they say? Amen. You finally get it. You finally get it. You finally see Him the way that we see Him. You finally understand what we understand, He is worthy, and we are idiots for not giving him His due. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And now, after all this, we're fixing to go into Revelations chapter six, and God is fixing to unleash hell. And it's coming. It's coming. So what's the takeaway from this? We still don't get it. That's the takeaway. We're still not part of this Revelation chapter 5 scene. We still are making this dark exchange so that we are so in love with this world and with our own selves and with our own desires that we refuse to look at Him and honor Him even though all creation declares Him. We refuse to honor Him. We refuse to give Him thanks. And yet He is worthy. And one day, guys, listen to me. One day, every creature, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord of all and that He, the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb, is worthy to receive blessing, to receive glory, to receive power, to receive honor, to receive strength, to receive it all. He is worthy. And so my prayer for myself as I've been reading through this has been to evaluate my life and see just exactly how far away from that I am. And let me tell you something. I'm still a whole lot in love with this creation. And it is not worthy. Only God is worthy. And He is worthy to receive all worship. And let me tell you something. If He don't get it, He has every right to pour out what He's fixing to pour out in Revelations chapter 6 through chapter 18. And I deserve every ounce of it unless I have been (laughs) ransomed and bought back by the blood of Jesus Himself. Y'all stand this morning.